0: In Botswana, you know, the issue of safety is very relative. Um, you would say you feel safe in the sense that there is no journalist who has been killed in Botswana and you hope you are you are not the first. My name is Jua Konopo, I'm an investigative journalist in Botswana and co-founder of the Center of Investigative Journalism called Inc. Currently, I'm a, I'm a JSK Fellow at Stanford University. <music>
1: This is a special podcast about journalism innovation in Africa. I am Dickens Olewe. Joel was part of the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists who worked on the 2015 Panama Papers. Another big story he has done involved using satellite imagery while investigating if the army was constructing a mansion for the former president of Botswana. I caught up with him while he was in South Africa attending a journalism conference. I started our interview by asking him what was being discussed at the event?
0: Oh yeah, basically um, the conference just trying to merge issues relating to um, investigative journalism and digital or online, and and how the two can work together to to expose wrongdoing, basically.
1: And what can you just tell me a bit bit more about the kind of conversations that have been going on? In-
0: the issues really on the African continent, it appears, um, they need to appreciate the importance of technology in telling and storytelling and it looks like um, there has been a lot of appetite and interest by African journalists to take um, journalism to another level in terms of appreciating and using technology to tell stories. So basically, the colleagues at the conference were um, sharing their experiences and how they have, been ta- they have taken advantage of digital technology, of the advent of technology, and, and the impact that there's been um, realizing and, and stuff like that.
1: Now, now, you mentioned that you are currently a JSK Journalism Fellow at Stanford, and you're spending your time uh, researching how journalists uh, in emerging democracies can use technology to promote transparency in political funding. Uh, can you tell yeah. me more about uh, this project?
0: Coming from an environment that is generally repressive in terms of journalists not accessing information adequately, I, I thought journalists can actually take advantage of the advent of technology. Um, based on the experience I have as a journalist, to tell stories and 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 my experience has been political party funding is one area that if you could be able to trace political party funding, you would be able to participate in helping. Um, self transparency as a journalist. And it's very difficult to trace party funding. Um, we are just trying to find out whether technology can help journalists achieve that.
1: Now, you are from Botswana, one of Africa's most stable and progressive countries. So I'm curious, why have you chosen this topic?
0: Um, despite the accolades about the state of Botswana economy and politics, there's been signs of impatience on the part of politicians to really um, provide some kind of hindrance into um, free press. And we realized that maybe this is the right time to really start scaling up our, both our investigative journalism and our and the ability to use other resources to tell stories because we have been told we are the best democracy in terms of transparency and other things. But on the ground as Botswana journalists, those things don't 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 really um, amount to anything much to us. Remember, Botswana doesn't even have access to to information law. No. So it's a struggle. In my view, I see Botswana, I see Zimbabwe, I see Swaziland, I, I see Zambia and, and all that
1: in terms of the challenges. Now, when I first met, met you a few years ago, you were part of more than 380 journalists uh, who were working under the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. And you're all looking into the, the then-just-leaked Panama Papers, uh, which in your case ended up exposing the president of the uh, Botswana uh, Appeals Court, uh, yeah. who, who, from their reporting, you uh, was um, found to, be, uh, to have been running an offshore account. Uh, can you just tell me how that experience was like for you?
0: Um, Yes,
1: remember the president of
0: the Court of Appeal um, is the most senior um, executive in the judiciary. So he has been, and he's a direct friend to the then president, Ian Kama. They grew up together in Zimbabwe. He schooled in Zimbabwe together. So this is is a man who has always been um, out of the radar in terms of journalists trying to find out the things that he's been doing. So we were fortunate that um ICIJ was able to um, actually identify him. We were able to identify him with ICIJ that he actually has offshore accounts in in, in the Bahamas and, and British Vision Island. And the response was um of a bit of panic on his part because he has been seen to be Mr Clean for, for quite some time. And he struggled to to really find
1: um, something really convincing in terms of the counter-narrative. Well, You've talked a little bit about this, but you run Inc. Centre for Investigative Journalists, and not many African journalists are in a position to run an outfit like yours. Now, could you yeah. tell me about Inc. as an organization? And I know you've talked about this, but do you feel safe doing your work? In Botswana? you
0: know, the issue of safety is very relative. Um, you would say you feel safe In the sense that there is no journalist who has been killed in Botswana, and you hope you are not one, you are not the first. But um, in terms of issues relating to the ability to harm you, I think there is that chance, especially under President Kama, who left office in in April. He had um, made several um, attempts to really discredit journalism, private journalism in general, to say they are liars, they are purveyors of fake news. And this kind of feeds into the society, especially civil servants. There are cases in which um, sports journalists have been assaulted by by players or coaches because they don't like what they are doing. There are cases in which some journalists have been assaulted by, um, by people accused in court because they don't want to be taken pictures. And we've seen both the police and, and those other authorities sometimes even just laughing outright. So, you know they don't commit to protection of journalists we have our own cases um, as investigative journalists of being harassed and and sometimes detained for for hours and there is action on the part of of government or the police it is always sort of um of people who don't really take this thing serious they always find a way of blaming journalists of doing one thing or the other that endanger their safety but the truth is um it's, it's a challenge, really. It might not be like what happened in the Soto, um late last year or what is happening in other countries, but we have challenges. And if it is not addressed, issues of safety, it might escalate to, um, in terms of arrests or, or even
1: even killing. I think people will be listening to this and wondering, okay, so here you are in a country that, like you're saying, uh, unlike in, a, in other African countries where journalists have been targeted and sometimes even killed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yet you have listed uh, several instances and examples of how journalists are either intimidated or frustrated to do uh, when they're doing their jobs so so the question therefore is uh, how do you then overcome these challenges and continue running an uh, organization like uh, Inc.?
0: yeah there are several um Efforts that we make. Um, sometimes with, with lawyers, sometimes with human rights activists, who, in which we try to. I will give an example of the the, the case um, in in Mushu at, at the President Kama residence. That when we got arrested, the first person we called was a respected human rights lawyer, and we also called a respected um, journalist um, broadcaster on, on one of the private radio station, and that kind of um attempts would actually uh, make authorities sometimes um become less of a threat to you because they know the information is out there and they want to protect their image every time so when you do kind of those kind of things you can kind to of notice that um they kind of back off a bit sometimes we work with some institutions such as such as even the US embassy and we know they can reach out to their counterparts and 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 ask them to Show some restraint on on press freedom generally and on the safety of journalists. So these are some of the things that we do. Sometimes we provide our own security, um, online security, and sometimes physical security. In terms of trying to improve physical security in the office, and and also having online, trying to encrypt our our emails and 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 find other ways of communicating. Um, such as maybe using things like Skype or, or other means. and But otherwise, we we, we know they are resourced and we know
1: um, they, they, they are interested in what we are doing. Now, one of the big stories you did was using satellite imagery and drones in your reporting. Uh, could you just tell me about what the story was and what came out of it?
0: It was um, a tip-off from military sources that there is a construction by the army uh, on behalf of the president and in his private residence. And there was an issue in honor from our side of, of of abuse of resources. So our attempts to go there then were frustrated by 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 the ambush that we encountered
1: when we were just about to arrive. Let me just get this straight. So you got a tip off from someone in the military that there was an ongoing construction and you physically went there to see for yourself that this construction is ongoing and you were blocked. Is that the case? We
0: we knew it was a private residence. We cannot walk in without permission. The other thing we knew was that if we ask for permission, we are likely not to get it because it's a private residence. So what we did was we, we drove some around 700 kilometers somewhere central Botswana and we wanted just to verify the claims made by um the military sources and we were just armed with cameras in the uh, first so that we just maybe zoom and take pictures then especially pictures of bowsers like construction equipment that is seemed to be that is was said to be of the military and and we were blocked some five kilometers away from the from the place and sent back to, to to the capital we we asked ourselves um issues questions like um should we Hire a helicopter from South Africa, maybe with a high resolution camera. And we thought, but there is military presence, anything can happen. There was an option of hiring or, or, or engaging a drone, and then. From our understanding, we had limited understanding. And also there was a question of it being shut down as well. And there was a question of range and, and even technical skills of maybe dealing with that within a short period of time. So what did you do next? Commission um, a commercial satellite imagery firm. So we used Digital Globe in, in, in the US to to take a high-resolution um image of the residents.
1: How do you commission a satellite imagery from a company like Digital Globe?
0: Yeah, basically... Um, I think Digital Digital Globe, though is a commercial commercial company, it has it has always had this idea that it, if there is something that serves public interest, they're going to be able to participate and try to assist, especially journalists or transparency advocates, to reach a certain goal if there is um, issues of, of of clear public interest. So we reached out to Digital Globe through an email. I think one of the investigations researches we did, we then pounced on them and then we reached through an email and they were willing and happy to assist. But they had a, a satellite office in or reseller in, in Botswana. So they said, no, you will deal with this company. So we reached out to the company within a week. They were also happy and, and we were charged some, some amount of money. They were happy to assist. But when we reached out for the second time, they were not interested. And we suspect they advised themselves or they were advised to go against, not to do it. We then, were advised by Digital Group to reach one of their resellers in Johannesburg. It's called Swift Digital. Then we we, we reached them out and they were happy to do so. And within a week or two, they were able to provide the the, the image. And we paid $5,000 for for, for the image. Uh,
1: The investigation exposed uh, from your side that the president was uh, or rather, the army was contr- constructing a private home for the president. And what did the president yeah. say about the outcome of the investigation? Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe before before um, sharing with you what what the president said is is what maybe we saw uh, from the image. Basically, it was um an estuary, um which was not part of the discussion most of the time. We saw an, a, a long airstrip, one point six kilometer. We saw actually that there's construction, and we saw structures that look like military trucks and graders and and, and bowsers and and the way some sort of structures that also resembled barracks. Remember we used um, topo, top topographics to to help us interpret the images. So they were able to tell us using their technology to tell us the size of what looks like a car. And, and the size of what looks like a, a barrack or, or a hostel for the for the military. So it was it was a compelling kind of image. And then the president had an interview with with the state broadcaster called Botswana Television, and they basically um he basically just outright denied using the military to construct um, a private residence. He said the military's presence there is to provide security for 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 him, but he didn't get into details about the presence of a, 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 a bowser or a military or some, something like green grader, which, was, which we found um, just around the compound. So it was a flat-out denial from the president.
1: Um, I mean, you've talked about, uh, you know, this incredible investigation that you've done. I'm just wondering how accessible you think uh, this technology is available to journalists uh, in Africa who want to do... Th- similar reporting. I mean, you, you've talked about yeah, yeah. paying $5,000 for the images. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But um, are, are there other, uh, I mean, since you did the reporting, are there other developments that have made uh, access to such kind of imagery cheaper, or are there ways in which yeah, people yeah. want to do this kind of reporting can do it in a, in a much accessible way?
0: Actually, that's a really good question. Um, what we noticed
1: much later,
0: um, as we delved much into the report and the outcome and the reaction generally it turned out that there are institutions even including digital digital globe that we didn't know that you can actually have a conversation with them to um to have that 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 image actually for free but you need to talk to some of their the one company again that works with them so we learned this much later that had we spoken to them at, at a longer length we could have actually mates and inroads in having the same image but for free. There's also an organization, I think it's an NGO in, in London, it's called, I think, Bellingcat. They, they came back and they were willing to, they were saying, had we known you then, we would have actually um provided you the image, I mean, made, organized the image for, for free. So it looks like there's an appetite for, by, by some of these institutions, for, for African journalists to access. This kind of technology, um, at a much lower cost, or actually even even for free, they they are interested in collaboration of that nature.
1: Uh, Joel, my, my last question is about media trends in Africa. Um, yeah. I know we've just been talking about satellite imagery and, and drones. You know, what do you see as a next big thing, or rather? What In terms of media trends in Africa, what do you think is the thing that people will be paying attention to next year? Um,
0: Innovating within this podcast space is one big thing that will um, be um, of interest to especially young people and even elderly people because podcast um, appeals to to everyone. So once you innovate around that and have an, an interactive podcast, like including... Pictures that speak to maybe the the point that you are raising within the podcast, we, on, on the on the on the podcast, it it will it will create a lot of interest, and I think it will increase traffic within within that space.
1: That is Joel Konopo from the Center for Investigative Journalism, called Inc in Botswana. He is also a JSK journalism fellow at Stanford University. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Dickens Ulewe.